When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself, Mark Crossford, Lucy Stagg, and the Greg Chalmers. As always, we're talking bad choices in golf. What makes golfers make bad choices? What are some of the bad choices we see golfers make? If you think you're making bad choices and could save scores by making some smarter ones, hopefully this is the podcast for you. So stay tuned. Let's get you making some better choices. Greg and Lou... Have you ever made any bad choices in mm. on the golf course and off? <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Just this morning? <laughs> <laughs> like in the last seven minutes or so. I don't know. <laughs> Every day. Every day. I try not to do it, but my heavens. Yes. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? We definitely see amateur golfers think, I mean, Lou from his stats background must see it. You know, he's not going to proclaim to be the best golfer and even make always the best choices, but he's definitely probably going to see some bad choices. And even ones reflected back to him on social when he posts stuff about stats. Greg, you've played in enough pro-ams to see some of the craziest of choices in situations. I mean, some of the courses of the pro-ams, these amateurs must be playing. They must be asking him some much bigger questions than maybe they're used to getting asked and the choices they make maybe are not so good. And through my years of coaching and still now, I see people make some crazy choices that you just deliver such easy fixes for people. So let's kick this off with some ideas of what are bad choices so the the listener gets more of a clear idea of what a bad choice is. So I don't mean bad choices as in why you're wearing white trousers, because we could put that. How do golfers get away with that? White trousers. Just before we get into the real bad choices, I've distracted myself with a point that's not a point. How how the golfers get away with white trousers? Can anyone explain that to me? Very slimming. <laughs> just I want any golfer who wears white trousers on a golf course just to wear them down their high street next week and see what it's funny. Like, it's, it's funny so you say mental, that. It's mental, isn't it? That it's you're funny you, you can wear that. it there, but yep. you can't. Yep. I, I started instigating the rule when I was getting dressed with golf. If I can't stop at the gas station and yeah. not get mugged or <laughs> laughed at, then I can't wear that outfit. And there's some <laughs> outfits that pop out, like Pulse can't stop anywhere. You know, Pulse is definitely, you know, but yeah, yeah. My, my, I remember my wife said to me one time when she first introduced to golf and blah, 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 she saw me and she's like, now tell me a bit about these white shoes you're wearing. Cause you know, yeah. in social settings, white shoes are joggers, like runners, yeah. like you, you don't wear them as dress shoes. They're like, what are we? 1970 Michael Jackson. I don't I mean, yeah. like, so she's like, what's with the white shoes? But anyway, yes, white pants. But- 
yeah. um, anyway. aren't in my repertoire, I'm afraid. So, so when we, we'll do another pod on those bad choices, maybe, because <laughs> that we could go on forever. But bad choices, I'm talking about things like maybe trying to leave approach shots below the hole when maybe you're not good enough to do that. Lou, ideas of bad choices that you've experienced or hear people say, what would you be some of yours before going into why they make them, just to give the viewer context? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, it's often one that sticks out uh, when I post, when I post content and I recently posted something and there's a slew of comments in there about making sure you leave yourself an uphill putt. Um, and that's just a, a recipe to take more total strokes to get the ball in the hole. Um, yeah. One, the difference between downhill and uphill putt is not as big as you would think. Um, and one of the, uh, one of the takeaways from looking a deep dive on the data was it, it turned out that putts that were really, really straight, that it had hardly any break at all, um, tended to have a smidge lower make rate. And these are, these are makeable putts. These are putts, you know, inside of 10 feet. Um, and I have to imagine it's, you know, typically putts are breaking. And, and when you have something that's, you know, 1% slope or more, it's pretty to pretty easy to see which way that ball is going to go. But when you have something dead flat um, and you introduce inconsistent inconsistencies and imperfections in the green as well, that just leads to, maybe poor lines and, and, and more misses, but leaving the ball below the hole is a mistake that you see a lot of amateurs make. And, and they make that on approach shots. They make, make that on chip shots, you know, and approach shots, you should be, if you're a, a, a weekend warrior like me, depending, you know, on the distance that you are, you're coming in from you're, you're hitting the green should be simply the objective. Um, so here's a quiz. I posted this the other day. And if yeah, you this saw this, pretend tweet. I did see this. One. Pretend. So Greg, maybe you didn't see this. 50%. So PGA tour, um, they hit 50, 50% of the greens from about 205 yards out. What do you think the distance is for a 10 index, which that skews towards a better amateur player. So a 10 index player, what's their 50, 50 distance from the fairway. What do you think? Oh, I didn't see this. Oh, wow. Um, 50% hit the green. Oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. 110 yards. That's pretty good. Yeah. 129. Yeah. So yeah, 15, okay. a 15 index was 110. A 10 index was 129. A five was 147. And a scratch mm -hmm. player is 165. So, you know, if you're a typical 10 index, which you are better than the average golfer, um, and you're standing 129 yards in the fairway, it's 50, 50, you're going to hit that green. And so, you know, you know, Scott, Scott Fawcett used to be the, the host on, on here with us and, and Scott, you know, done a lot of work and, and really has shifted how, what people think about targets. And, you know, when you have a 10 index at 129 yards out and you're trying to leave the ball below the hole to a front pin, like that's just a recipe for disaster. Like you're going to miss even more greens and you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. And it, it's, it's players thinking that there's this, um, you know, they have this control of the golf ball um, as somebody that's, you know, relatively low skilled compared to somebody like you, Greg, and thinking they can play at that level and making those kind of decisions. I see that with the guys I play with and I'm constantly chirping in people's ears about what to do and why to do it. And they still do it. Um, <laughs> and so like, 
we're just we are just it's it's in our dna to make some of these poor decisions well i also think with that one the poor decision so that is a great example of a bad decision which you definitely see people remarking about and i've had people talk to me about that on the golf course and what i tend to find is there's a pattern of the outlier that they then apply to the whole rule does that make sense? So there are some the one time. if you go and hit it up there, like you're mad because you're going to free putt and maybe four because that green is designed with so much slope. That if you do put it up there, you could put off the green and then we're starting again. And as soon as you're off the green, there's a good chance you're not going to get down into from there. Um, and they tend to hold on to that outlier as then the general. And that's what I find with with comments around that i get people say oh you can't do that in my course and then i say well where, where do you play and they tell us and then you go on google maps and see and i went well that's not that slopey that's not that slopey that's not that slopey like yeah that one looks slopey so possibly yeah i get why getting above that hole might be a bit scary i'm not even saying time, that it's a yeah. problem but if you're going to play that so and that then leads on to another poor decision doesn't it uh, it's another bad choice that you base your all your info or strategy on the real outliers. And, and that's quite a common problem you see with golfers, isn't it? I hit my seven iron 150. No, no. You hit your seven iron onto a par three that measures 150, but it lands at 135, which is where the landing point of that par three really is because it's a downslope and what have you. So, yeah, it goes to 150, but it doesn't fly 150. So I put a flag... 150 out with a 145 yard carry you wonder why you go in the front bunker because you're basing it on that outlier all the time and i definitely see that as a bit of a common bad choice for golfers as a general rule is that fair do you think are supply chain issues still disrupting your operations Graybar has you covered as a leader in distribution of electrical communications data networking and industrial products Professionals across the country rely on Graybar's nationwide logistics network to get them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Operating with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. Their nationwide logistics network, with over 290 locations across the country, assist owners and professionals with building and maintaining the operations in our electrical, communications, and industrial world by getting them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days, and Graybar's nationwide logistics network is a game-changer in keeping projects on task. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R dot com. Yep, Graybar does that. Oh, I, I absolutely think so. I know I see, um, you know, you talk about that 200 yards for pros, I like, for 50% hitting the green. I, yeah. I, as soon as you said that, I'm like, we, I just played a practice round here this week in a tournament on Planet, and three out of four par threes are over about 210, they are, 210, 215. All yeah. of my targets this week, regardless of the pin will be the middle of the green. If yeah. I can hit in the middle of green and walk off with four threes in all of these holes, I am happy. I'm very happy. A birdie is a bonus. Um, and also that plays more to my strength. It's not my uh, ball striking. It's, it's, it's putting. If I can get it on the green. Okay. Um, so my goal is to be as close to the middle of the green pin hide be a bonus too. 
unless the pin is in a really tucked at the back of the green, you can't go over the back. But basically my targets are very simple on par threes when I've got that distance. I don't start looking at pins until I start to get sort of feel good about seven irons and six irons and, and eight irons and down a little further. And depending on how I'm feeling about my game, that's when I start choosing more aggressive targets. I also don't try and pick shots. I've gone six months where I don't hit a fade. I'm a left to right, you know, draw player for a left-hander. I'm, if I want to hit it close to a left pin, I've got to start out over trouble and bring it in. I don't try and pick a target that's going to stress me like that. I might go, well, I'll just hit it just right at the hole. Um, it limits me in my scoring ability sometimes, but that's, that's just how I've played the game. That's my best shot and best chance to hit a quality shot. So, and that's where the ego piece to this kicks in. And that's something we probably should touch on because that's where a lot of bad decisions happen is when your ego is saying, you got that, buddy, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You well, can't. Again, it's the outlier <laughs> idea, isn't it? I've done it right. before so I can do it again. Well, right. I right. used to comb my air every morning, but I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's under your chin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, Greg, you're going to say, I guess your bad decision that you see the golfers make is picking better targets. And is that something that even you've got better at over the years of following people like Lou and Scott that you mentioned earlier, who definitely shifted the needle that yes, way? it um, is. And do you it see is. it with amateurs that you're still, you work with amateurs and you play in pro-ams where you're still having to, educate them in some better targets because i get oh, see amateurs choose literally targets that i wouldn't choose even if i was playing well as a semi-skilled golfer and they're choosing them playing off 10 15 25 i think cool i wouldn't yeah. choose that target it's 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 lose hashtag in a nutshell basically it's it's like manage your expectations and yeah. you're losing joy in the game because your expectation is you're going to go out and play like someone you just watched on tv and I'm like, no, dude, you play off 20. If you get up around the green in two and you've got a chance to chip it on and make a par, well done. You're, yeah. You've ticked some boxes. That's really cool. But their expectation is that they'll feed it in off the right, you know, or, you know, like do something. Well, I just see people not aiming away from trouble as well. I just see a lot of golfers yes. not aiming away from trouble. They're happy to try and take fairways on. They're petrified of maybe hitting a little bit of rough, but they're happy to be close. And I'm talking trouble like, ob you know like proper yes this is trouble not trouble as in you might catch rough on that side i'm talking like there's a road there there's two holes over there why don't we hold in aim in the middle of the three holes that you've got to aim at almost um and almost golfers don't see that sometimes i see a bad choice as well and again like you say i think it is lose hashtag of manager expectations where uh, it sums it up and again it's the ego point it's that they don't think that's how you're meant to play golf. I, th I just want to have that that um, footage of Hovland at um, Jack's place trying to hit it on the tee on whatever hole. Did you see that where he tried to hit it on a tee on the on the par four, so he's not having mm. to come over the lake and he can just pitch on. Um, Lou's always said this: like he'll aim at any point. You're not afraid to aim at any point of the course, are you, Lou? You go up other fairways. You don't care, do you? No, I'll, I'll take it wherever, wherever the math takes me and, you know, on target. So I want to drive home what, what Greg just said. So Greg is a member of the PGA tour. Um, he is one of the best golfers on the planet. And he just said from about two ten, it doesn't matter where the flag is on a par three, he's going to be middle of the green. And I think that is a very hard concept for, 
some players to to grasp. I want to give a, an example of a particular hole. So one of the college players that I work with, he was playing in an event last year and it is a, a par three that was playing 180-ish, 185-ish. Um, and it was a crazy shallow green with death beyond with this crazy high grass and water front and the hole was slanted like 12 at augusta where it would, where it's short left long right and so as most players are right-handed and for a right-handed player when you miss right it tends to go shorter which just adds to the difficulty of a hole like that the green complex was so small there was so much trouble around it that mathematically the correct target now keep in mind these are division one players the correct target was slightly off the green mathematically correct target was slightly off the green so this player who is a very very good amateur stood there for all three rounds of his event and he had a target that was off the green he was intentionally trying to miss the green this hole i don't have it up in front of me what the scoring average was but there were more than double the number of double bogeys as there were birdies on this hole it may have been Mm. close to triple Uh, there was hardly any birdies on the hole and there were almost three times as many double bogeys as there were birdies on a 180-yard par three. It's how difficult it was. So sometimes targets are going to be you know, not on the green. They're going to be off the green, especially for somebody at my level, right? My dispersion is enormous compared to somebody like Greg. It's absolutely enormous. And so me trying to you know, hug the right on a tee shot when there's water on the right, cause it's going to give me the better angle. Um, and that's another, it's another problem that players have is trying to play for angles. Um, that is just a recipe for disaster. And I'm going to score a lot higher over the long term by making those kinds of decisions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So picking smarter targets is definitely uh, uh, something that I still see. I think with all the information out there as well, it still amazes me that this conversation still has to, you know, to happen. But I mean, I guess our podcast just doesn't reach every golfer on the planet, which is maybe just that's we need. <laughs> that's to... probably more shocking than anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I was good. That's mm-hmm. that's a bad decision from any golfer who's not <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> Definitely. that's the number one bad choice but- not that they can hear me because they're not listening <laughs> so I, I might as well just talk to this pen and lie about that but yeah so for anyone not listening you're making a bad choice definitely um that is a big one big one for me as well is not having enough choices so people make bad choices because they don't actually work on having enough choices the amount of people that have an iron that goes a distance but they can't manipulate that distance in any way it just goes a stop distance um always amazes me one of the biggest skills i see with people out on the course when you're practicing is people's abilities to recover and your average golfer doesn't have a strong ability to recover often speed is an issue but even if you take that away it's because they haven't got a variety of shots in their bag and one thing i do with students so often is we pick one yardage and we try and hit as many clubs to that yardage and you do this game and they think like this is a bit weird why are we doing this and i think oh the fact that you're even asking that question amazes me because i've been a hundred yards out and the ball isn't allowed to go above head height and i still want to hit that green 
So me practicing a five iron from a hundred yards is a skill I want to know how to do. Um, uh, it, it amazes me how, how little amount of choices people have. So often they make bad choices because they not worked on having enough choices. And I'm sure Greg, I mean, you are loaded with a hundred choices when you get to your ball, you've got many tools in the toolbox oh. to choose what shot is going to be best sit, uh, suited to the situation. Yeah, I actually, uh, to add to that, I, I work with a sports psychologist named Deborah Graham, and she, uh, for, for a while there, I, I work with a different person now, but um, Deborah's a lovely lady, and she, um, one of the concepts she taught me, and, and it was work, through working with some other players, and she didn't tell me the player's name, but what he had said, he said to his caddy, you have at least two or three options when we get to the ball, and I'll pick one of those options and you'll tell me how great I am at that shot. Right. Yeah. So he's getting the feedback of, I'm really good at this, but he's also like, it's a soft seven and a hard eight um, or a low six, six can all carry the same distance. They're just different ball flights. I just got to figure out which one I like. And you need to have just some version of off. I practice off speed and full speed and low are my ones. I can hit it reasonably high enough. You know, most of our greens are mush out here anyway. Um, but, yeah, I, I practice those sort of windows um, yeah. so that I can have some options when I get there. Now, do I use them all? Not all the time. But there are some occasions where, you know, the low one's really fun if I just feel a little twitchy and a little nervous and I just want to get it up around the front of the green and let it shoot on back there and I don't have to have that ball sitting up in the air forever. So, yeah, you've got to add in – you know, you've got to add in some, some more books into your library. So then you've got some choices on certain shots or days you're uncomfortable or, or things like that, particularly the better and better you get at the game. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, and I'm always amazed the amount of golfers I ask. If I give you a set yardage and I give you two clubs, are you happy hitting one hard or one soft? So I give them a yardage that's not out of their stock. You know, because I know for a fact as a golfer, and you probably can answer this question, I reckon you can as well, Lou. I am much more trending towards extra club soft is the way I play. So, I, but I, at no point do I say that's the right way to play. That's a way what I've tested that allows me to have more success. The person I film with coach Lockie, people will know him from my videos. He's the opposite. You give him more clubby. It's soft. He literally can miss a green by a shocking amount. You give him less club and he hits harder. He doesn't feel as anxious. He actually feels he's got more control that way. And he tends to perform better. The amount of amateurs I say, you know, let's play this game. You're not allowed to hit the club. We've got to go either side. Watch the pattern. You know, what what one would you trend towards to hit the target more? I don't know. I think, how can you not know that? Like, there'll be some lies where I don't want to hit it hard. There'll be from, and that can mix from like a divot. I'd rather take less club and thump it. And then a bit of a flyer lie. I'm a little bit more of a take more club and hit it really soft guy. I like it like running a lot way. I don't want it landing on that green. That scares me. Um, you know, but that, I'm not saying that's the right way to play that shot. That's just the way I get round. And to not know your patterns in those incidences of having more choices so you don't make bad choices baffles me. And the amount of people I see on the range, we can walk up and down a range now. 
practice imperfect. I think, well, I could show you your last four rounds. You probably hit two shots where the perfect option was actually the option to practice. Um, so having more choices is a great way of making less bad choices for golfers, I think. Sorry, Lou, you were going to say. Yeah, I want to I want to add in there about hitting hard, hitting soft. I, I did a study on that with seven irons a while ago and had close to 200 players that were part of it. And they were hitting seven irons where some of them were soft, some of them were were hard. And, um, and then they had a bunch of uh, stock shots with their seven iron and stock shots had the smallest dispersion. But the thing that's really interesting about the difference between a hard seven and a soft seven, a soft seven had a much smaller left to right variant. So they hit it much closer to their target line. Um, but it had a, it had a deeper North South um, variance, whereas the hard shot, um, much wider, so they could hit it much more offline in either direction, but a much more compressed North South dispersion. So when you find yourself in a situation where you have to carry something, um, you know, just looking at the data for most players, now this isn't true for everyone, but for most players hitting something hard is going to narrow your north south dispersion is what you and that's what you want to have uh, when you have something where you have to carry it a certain number you want to tighten that up a little bit hopefully i explained that and it made yeah, sense yeah well let's take let's yes. 100% okay. let's take the 12th augusta you're probably going to be verging on a harder one there cuz you've got mm-hmm. a very short front to back miss rate where left to right you've got a little bit more room and then you go and take the 18th Augusta, just to put it into context, I would all day be hitting a softer one up there, subject to obviously where the pin is on on tiers and what have you. But I would generally be playing more soft because short the front, it's long, and left to right, it's narrower. I mean, there'll be situations people will be listening to what Lou said there, and they'll be instantly thinking, "Cool, yeah, there are certain greens where, yeah, short and long needs to be loads tighter." And then the next style, actually, is left to right is where the real pain hits because there's a lake or a drop off or a bunker they can't get out of or whatever. Learning those patterns for golfers is just, if you want to make less bad choices, give yourself more choices. Is yeah, just yeah. And, you know, you started off this part of the conversation talking kind of around recovery shots, right? And uh, at least I think you did. Um, yeah, yeah, I and, did, yeah. Because you uh, use it, these shots in recovery yeah, shots. And, and it's important, it's important um, once you get into trouble, um, I, I can just tell you, you know, from the players I've played with historically, um, once us amateurs get into trouble and we're off in the tree somewhere where there's far too many hero shots that are, are attempted um, and putting yourself back in play is, is paramount. You know, you're essentially, once you get off in the trees, you're going to make bogey. Um, you know, that's a best case scenario for you. You're tr- you should be trying to limit double bogey um, on the PGA tour. Once they get off into a cover- recovery situation from, you know, between 100 and 190 yards, roughly somewhere in there, it's about 3.8 shots, no matter what, no matter what their distance is, um, for them to hole out. Uh, so when they're 150 in the trees and they got to come out sideways, it's going to take them an average of about 3.8 shots to get the ball in the hole. They're essentially going to make bogey most of the time. You just have to limit um, your bigger number. And I see far too many amateurs 
getting off in the trees and trying to advance it towards the green through some small window. It, you know, they, they have, you know, little control on trajectory. And so they get it way too high. It rattles in the branches, it drops down. And now they're in the same spot that they were before. Um, and it's just, uh, once you get into trouble, you need to get back out into a spot where you're going to have an open swing to the green. It's, it's so important. So yeah. I wouldn't want to put a percentage on, you know, you need to be 90% sure, but you need to be pretty darn sure. Uh, if you're going to try to pull something off that you're going to actually going to be able to pull it off. You just, you just can't afford those two big mistakes. Sorry, Mike, you just can't afford yeah, those yeah. two big mistakes in a row, right? You've right. already made one big mistake. You can't rattle another one out there. That's how you make big, 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 big numbers. And if you happen to just chip it out, like Lou's saying, and get it back in play and then still make a big number, well, it's a hard game. But at least you got back in play and you had a chance to get it up around on the green and make a bogey and make something um, make something out of that hole versus trying to hit some crazy shot out of the trees or rough or whatever like that. And I see that yeah. in pro-ams all the time, particularly out of rough, pulling out hybrids and things like that. And I'm like, dude, well, I'm just hitting, about to make that. I'll be at yeah. nine on and you're hitting hybrid. Like, yeah. What? Well, the, the other point yeah. with that, I think, which is really interesting, because I, I, which I agree with there, but I think people, when they think of loose end hero shots, I don't think it's as simple as that as well. I think it's more, and I know Lou knows is it's, it's more complex than that. So you'll see, so I see some players in the rough who've got to come out a bit lower because they're under underhanging trees and that's where the double lies. They're going to clip a tree and it could go anywhere and they're still in there. And they choose their hybrid because their hybrid, when they hit from the fairway, you know, goes quite low, doesn't it? You know, they catch it more on the bottom of the club because it's on cut grass. So the strike pattern will tend to be a bit low when it's tighter grass. And it, it does start off a bit low and raises up and off it goes. They're in the rough and the ball's a bit fluffy, you know, it's a bit fluffy around it. And they got their hybrid. And I think, what's the bad shot with that club? And they just look at me like, going, well, I don't know. I could, you know, maybe block it and hit the tree stump. No, no, you could go under that. And if you go under it with a hybrid, it'll launch higher and you're going to hit those. So it's not that they're playing a, a hero shot because they're trying to get the green. They're playing a hero shot or a silly shot, making a bad decision because they're not really understanding the dynamics of impact. You go and give them a six iron or a seven iron. Let's say that's their loft, most lofted or their longest iron is a seven iron. Then they go to this hybrid. Uh, they say, yeah, but a seven iron goes in the air. I can hit a seven iron ankle height. Have you, have, you've got to have this shot because mm. seven iron is a flat face. If you pop it off the top, it's never going to go as high as a hybrid goes. It's a deeper face generally as well. So it'd be harder to get it up there. And you whack the ball back in your stance and punch it out low. So sometimes hero shots, I think people, when they hear the word hero shots, and I totally agree, lots of people do make hero shots, you know, trying to do the big bend or whatever. It's not even just that. Sometimes they're just playing ridiculous shots. They're not trying to be heroes. They're not trying to be clever. They're just not quite understanding that hybrid out of rough, definitely has got a chance, depending on that live popping up. I mean, it's got equally chance of going low, but I'm going to play a club that does has almost zero chance of popping up. So even if we are the same person and you cut and paste me into two people, you're going to pop one up 2% of the time and I'm doing it none of the time. So I'm going to be 2% better than you. Um, and you times that by four chances in the rough where they're doing this. It's just like, what's going on here? Um, so I agree, hero shots, but not understanding how your clubs perform in different situations. Again, just give yourself more choices and the bad choices start to disappear. I think Basically. Greg brought up a really, really good one. Uh, I see this all the time. Um, players get into some gnarly rough 
and they pull out three wood, right? You know, they, oh, they, that's they a, yeah, right. You I know, they, 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 they hit a, you know, a tee <laughs> shot that squirts off the tee. It gets into the rough. They pull out a three wood, uh, or a five wood. And, and I'm looking at this line. Like I just walked over the ball four times and couldn't find it because it's yeah, down yeah. at the bottom of four <laughs> inches of grass yeah. and they're going to try to hit a three wood. And what happens? They just, it goes, it goes 20 yards, goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, and so understanding how, you know, what your likelihood is of advancing the ball out of given lies with certain clubs is an important skill to understand and I think far too many amateur players simply, you know, I'm a lot, I'm 220 out. Um, I'm going to reach from a three wood um, and yeah. the ball goes 40 yards. So yeah, yeah. Uh, make, that's a great, great one to call out there, Greg. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the um, the other one with that, which is interesting as well, like you're saying, pulling free woods out the rough uh, and those kind of ideas, is that I'm always amazed of the amount of people who just do not have any data, and I mean practice data in their heads, of how to play out the rough. They, they literally don't want to practice out the rough. I've done video after video on YouTube about how to get out the rough. No one watches them. They get such lower views than other videos. I think, well, people spend nearly 50% of their time plus in the rough. <laughs> Yet if we go and watch a bunch of tour players, obviously speed plays a big advantage to this, but they have skills out of the rough, skills that you can't believe out of the rough, which aren't just purely related to speed. Um, amateurs just are seem so reluctant to get in the rough and actually practice. It's like a place they want to get out of, but you'll get out of it much better if you spend some time working out how to get out of it. Again, stop making those bad choices out of the rough. Get in there more often, even when you're out there practicing. If you've got a fairway, you should always I do a thing where we put the ball equivalent when I work with golfers on the course, wherever they hit their tee shot, if it's in the fairway, we put an equivalent one in the rough just to show them that so they, they often, they just go to the same club. Oh, it's a seven eye. Cool. And they go the same one out the rough. What are you going to do now? No, it's a seven, eye, seven eye distance, isn't it? Uh, well, it's a seven eye distance, but is it a flyer lie? Is it a heavy lie? Do you need more loft and to hit it hard? Uh, and then it leads on to things in the rough. This one amazes me is swing fixes in the rough. So you've got the person who's working on a perfect backswing. They've got a position they're trying to hit. And then they get in the rough and I see him demoing these swing positions. I forget swing positions in the rough, mm -hmm. 10 finger grip, loads of loft, hard as you can. Literally, I don't care if you step through and move and jump, it, you need speed. That mm. little delicate, lovely takeaway is just, it's not going to mm. work out of that rough you in. It's not a pretty competition at this it's, point. It's, it's a it's, hammer it's, it hard it. stuff. It's like, well, come on, let's get some no. speed going. Particularly I, have every a, rough. I have a question for Greg, but I want to, I want to first want comment, a comment and a question. I think one of the reasons why PGA tour players are, are so good out of the rough is like Greg, they are just physical specens <laughs> and that, <laughs> And that is what welcome that to, to the happen. fan club. Yeah, that's exactly. right. <laughs> so Greg, you know, Mark brought up uh, flyer lies and I think that is, you know, we hear it on TV all the time. 
Um, and I think that is something that um, a, at least some number of amateurs don't quite understand. So explain to us, you know, what it is and what you look for when you're trying to assess a lie in the rough and how it might react. And I know it's so hard to do that. Every lie is different, but what are some of the things you look for to uh, help you understand how the ball might come out of that lie? Okay. So the first piece would probably be the, the, the type of grass, um, dry, wispy, um, growing in the same direction. So down grain, they tend to, you know, come out like a fly lie. It's essentially what you're talking about is the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, you know, the, but basically the club's not hitting the ball. It's hitting grass. It's getting stuck in there and you get no, no spin on the ball. Right. And yeah, the it, spin's coming off is what the, so yes. it's launching high and it's going to yes. just have no spin and, and off it goes. And can go, it can go, you need to experiment a little bit, you know, very, very, very long ways. Uh, I, and a lot of it is just about, um, to me, when I'm getting fly lies, it's, it's, it's about, a, you've got to read the lie, but then you've sort of got to uh, more towards shorter, you know, because 100%. it could go a lot further, you know, you more towards the front of the green because it, it's landing and running as well. So you sometimes there's just no way around it. You, you know, in terms of fly lies, um, I've got a week this week where it's overseeded ryegrass. I tend to not get them unless it's really just down grain and it's sitting on top. Um, and I only have a little bit of rough. If it sinks down the bottom, and then it's a dead lie. It doesn't matter what I get out of there. It's not going to go very far. Um, but essentially, it's a it's definitely a, a type of grass for me personally. Um, you know, and wispy, dry stuff. You can actually it can get quite long, like the stuff you see in the UK, Mark, where you know it can be ankle high, uh, but it's wispy and dry, and it come it will come out really toasty out of that. Um, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. really hot, but yeah, it's your telltale it's signs are down the grass growing the way you want the ball to go wet because water is going to affect how that ball reacts on the face. The amount and why do ping do stuff with their face coverings and they have extra grooves and they try and make the grooves tighter because they're trying to control spin. They're trying to give you as much spin as you can because the golf course is generally going to take spin away from you. There's hardly any situations where spin is given back to you. You, you won't go above your max. It's generally going to be taken away from you. So the grass growing down, it being wet, the ball sat up in rough, there's a good chance of getting because you can catch it higher on the face that reduces spin, those kind of things. I always think about playing them like a left to right putt a bit, Lou. With a get if you read a flyer, the miss now is long. So I'm thinking, how can I get this, as Greg says, to the front of the green? Because my miss then will go to the middle of the green. And if I hit the front of the green, subject to having to go over stuff, I'm still in play. The amount of amateurs I see not reading that way and they get a flight. They, what's interesting as well with amateurs, because they don't practice it enough or people who are, are making bad choices, they can't even see it's a flyer when it goes off. Like you watch any of our videos, you'll hear us giggling. When someone hits one that goes, it's like, whoa, like as soon as it leaves, it's in the air. You can see from mm. the flight that ball is not, go it's dipping. It's like rainbow flight in. And you, the person who's in it on camera is like, just going, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down constantly. So if you can read a fly lie, playing more a shorter average is definitely feels like a safer play, which is kind I of think that I think, yeah, I think the key there too, Mark, is and to any, any part of this discussion, whether it's hitting from out of trouble, fly lies, if you do it once and then get a similar lie the next time and do it again, that's when you need to take, have a little think about, uh, my yeah. decision-making process, you know, it's and reading right eye there. skills. I just hit it 50 yards over the green. 
from the exact same similar lie. And now I am doing that again. I mean, and assuming it's just going to go, or I popped it up out of the rough into a tree in front of me when I should have just tried to keep it low. And now I'm doing it again. So that's, you're not learning the lessons that are really important if you want to improve as a player. And a great way for the listeners to to give this a go if they've got a bit of time next time they get on the course, just if your ball's on the fairing, you've got an approach to green, 100 yards, 150, whatever, something that you can hit the green with, hit that shot from the fairway, put one in in two different rough lies at the same distance and hit the same club and see what happens. Just see what it goes. If you repeated that three or four times every time you played, you wouldn't ask what a fly lie is because you would learn it really quick. You would think, oh, look, that lie last time went 15 yards further than the one off the fairway that was a decent hit. That lie there, which is chunky, came up 40 yards short. So that's one where I might need to be giving it the brute strength kind of idea. It's such a um, suck it and see learning curve, no matter how well you articulate it, no matter. Because at the end of the day, Lou, as you know, what rough does is it adds variable and variable is still something that we don't get right. And Greg still doesn't get right. Tiger doesn't get right. They're good at reading it, but they don't read it. There's still plenty of occasions where they get it wrong. But each occasion they get it wrong, as Greg just hinted at there, really good players are good at doing is they log it in the old data banks to try and not let it happen again. So they're often much quicker at getting that mental picture of that lie to that result in their head and recalling it when that situation reoccurs. Um, I've done playing lessons where they get the same lie three hours later and they still don't haven't adjusted. I have to run over like, oh, you remember what happened two hours ago? Oh, is that? Yeah, like it could. I'm not saying it's the same, but it's got the chance of doing the same. So why don't we protect you're in the rough let's not make a double bogey here um so definitely um your bad choices can become better choices if you make enough bad choices and learn from them at the end of the day isn't it like keep making bad choices but don't just ignore them like really listen and watch and learn from them and you and you will not get it right all the time yeah you will certainly when the rough's involved there's always an element of gas isn't of guessing isn't there Yes, yes. Uh, plenty of times where I, where players, pros, all the time, oh, that didn't jump on me. Oh, well, we're short, you know. But, yeah. you know, the, we're, you're doing your best to learn and, and figure out how things are playing all the time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what about front pins, Lou? You've often talked about front pins on your Twitter. Front pins is a bit of a bugbear for pros and amateurs, isn't it? Um, it is, it's, it's more of a, more of an issue for amateurs than it is for professionals, uh, for sure. Um, and, uh, again, this comes down to, I once hit my seven iron one sixty five, um, and on a perfect strike, uh, and that that's going to be true, but we don't hit the ball perfectly every time. And it's, uh, uh, you know, playing for your perfect yardage, especially to a front pin is a recipe to miss a lot of greens short, uh, which now, depending on how close to the front that pin is, you've just short-sighted yourself and you're going to make that um, next shot that much more difficult being short-sighted. So for us amateur players, I'm going to leave Greg out of the discussion for us amateur players. Um, playing well past a front pin um, is a way to lower your scores. Um, And 
it, it, it's a, there's a lot of opportunity there. I, I see it every day. I see it when I look through all the data in Arcos, I've posted some things about this on amateur players and they are pretty poor to front pins. And, and so much of it is driven by being short of the green um, and missing the green short where when you have a back pin, you're still, you know, roughly amateur players are still short of the hole about the same percentage of the time to a front pin as they are to a back pin, but to a back pin, you have a lot of extra green to work with. So when you come up 20 yards short to a back pin, you might catch the front edge. Yes. You have a 50, 60, 70 foot putt, but I'm going to take that over being short-sided from 15 yards away to a front pin. You're going to score better. Now it doesn't feel like it on a 50 foot putt, but you're going to score better on a 50 foot putt than you are on a 15 or 18 yard chip from the rough. It's just how it is. I'll, I'll, I, you know, I'd, I'd let Greg go in the rough from 16 yards um, and, you know, dropping balls from shoulder height um, and me putting from 60 feet. And he's not going to stand a chance um, just because it's so much harder to get the ball in the hole from the rough around the green. So for us AMs, we really want to get the ball on the green and taking more club is such a huge, huge opportunity for many of us hams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. I mean, for me, I think uh, hopefully there for the listeners, if you're making any of these bad choices, there's some help there for you to try and make some better choices. I mean, the overriding thing I think that really comes through with bad choices for golfers is it's bad or is it misinformed? And then maybe they're the same thing, but it's often misinformed, isn't it? It's, It's that they've just got the wrong idea. Um, it, it, it's it being a little bit more aware of your outcomes. And this is where things like collecting stats or at least reflecting on your game in a more worldly way. So reflecting on your round, not doing the, oh, I had three chances of birdie today that I missed from 15 foot cliche. Maybe it's looking a little bit more broadly of where you did actually drop your shots. Because often for people, I always say it's quite similar to, you know, if you, you get like an ailment in your body, like physios will often say, look, you got a tweak in your back. They'll say often it's below or above, or you've got like a neck thing. It's below or above there's where the issue is, which causes the issue to come out in a certain place. And often for golfers, they forget to look below and above. Does that make sense? So it's like they blame it on the free part or they blame it on the 15 foot that they didn't hold, but it was, how did you get to that situation? How did it come to the point where that was where it was all be all and end all and maybe looking a bit more at your game in a more focused way could really help you make less bad choices and start practicing some better choices and at the end of the day i think the biggest weapon for so many golfers would just be again just having more choices just it just limits the amount of bad choices that you make because you've just got more options to to make a better better a better play um, is something I would love to see golfers do more of. Uh, what's your worst choice on the golf course, Lou? What's your biggest bad choice that you've made regrets? What partners play- he chooses. Yeah, play- partner selection. Yeah. Team of events. You can't win a team of events without a great partner. Strokes gain partner selection. I, I go up against anyone there. Um, I'm, that's pretty, that's my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I would, I would go back to just a, a, a club championship where I was up by a stroke with a few holes to go bogeyed uh, and then came to the last hole, a par three with a crowd of people around me. And I was in between clubs and I was 
there's water in front and i was so indecisive about that swing and i hosled the music it. i hosled it. yeah there you go oh, it's my you worst really? story. oh yeah i hosled it. i'm so putting music over that bit it. on the edit I'm and so i was um uh just uh if i would that was my biggest poor decision is not stepping off that and and i i tried to go with the soft one um, and I should have, you're I wish a hit it known. hard guy, surely. You're yeah. not a soft guy, are you? I can yeah, tell you that I mean, within 10 minutes of meeting you. Exactly. <laughs> right. Go, going after that. Um, <laughs> Lou, Lou doesn't excel in the finesse department on the golf No, course. no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to feather a little cut to the back right pin 12 Augusta. I'm, I'm smashing a nine iron with a 40 yard hook. Smashing a 52 degree because you're wetting yeah, yourself. I'm sma- and it's going to have a 40 yard hook. I'm starting it over right at 13 T and bringing it back. And you can practice your 60 foot putt then. Yeah, exactly. Subtle. Uh, I don't know. I got a million. I got a million bad choices that uh, that I've made uh, on the golf course. A million. But you must make le- less now. I mean, you must far be one less of the now. most informed amateur golfers yes. on the planet. To be fair. Yes, far, far, far less now. Um, I would say that overall, my strategy and club selection is pretty sound, um, and um, so I don't make too many of those anymore. And you know, it, it's. That is for us amateurs. I think that's a a big part of the battle. And, you know, I think Greg sort of touched on it earlier. Um, I think another part of the battle for us, which, which plays into what we do and how we do it is, is having, you know, the right expectations, like what understanding what good is for your skill level. Um, And I think that Mm. drives us to make choices that we otherwise shouldn't make where, you know, hitting a, uh, you know, hitting a, a, a decent shot. I think it, I just posted this the other day. So Greg, if you hit every approach shot and at the worst case, it gained 0.0 strokes. Um, how's that going to work out for you with your approach play? Like if it you gains- never lost, stro- if you never lost strokes on approach on an approach shot, if you always gain strokes, it, it, that's oh, going to be, you'd be I'm killing it. You're killing it. Right. Nobody does right. that. Right. Absolutely. Nobody does that. And I think people have these misconceptions on like what constitutes a good shot. And so I'm going to quiz you on some amateur data here. Let me, let me pull it up here and take me one second to to get to it. So from Mark, you got to kill some time while I scroll and find this. Okay. What handicap are you going to talk about? Are we talking about a particular handicap or are you just going to be generalizing for all handicaps here? Can I tell you my, my worst choice? Yeah, go for it, Greg. Yeah. Playing the Nike driver. (laughs) Yeah. Really? How long did you play it for? for? Oh, I don't know. Two years. years. Two years. Yeah. Long time. (laughs) Did they pay you? Did they pay you? Am I allowed to ask Oh yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. They, They do pay really well. Yeah, yeah, really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but uh, yes, but do makes a lot. There's still even a, even us. We still, I still to this day, I will make a choice. Usually, it's um, club selection into greens, and I might turn to my caddy if we've missed our target and gone. Why were we trying to hit to this target? It yeah, is yeah. now we are toast. But yeah, yes, yeah. we should start. You know, you have got the Live Tour and the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. We should start the Nike Tour. 
<laughs> I think that's been done. The, 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 <laughs> the rollback Nike tour. You could yeah. save golf, couldn't you? Roll everyone's back. twenty. That's everyone's fine. twenty everyone's yards shorter. Yeah, and yeah. Nike I, yeah. I could find loads on eBay. Yeah. Oh, you can have them all. <laughs> Given your balls for the week, Greg. I just, some of them have been hit, but they're fine. You can have them all. They make a lovely shirt. That's all. I ever keep saying that they make a beautiful shirt. Go on, then. All right. So I, I found it. So um, strokes gained approach, very important yeah. statistic, very important skill. And if you hit an approach shot and it, and it gains 0.00 strokes or more, that's good. You should be happy with that shot. And 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 I and I say zero or more relative to your skill level. Like trying to compare yourself to a PGA Tour pro and and something like this makes no sense because they are so much better than you are. So. For for a ten index player, um, if they if their ball is going to finish on the green and in forty five feet from the hole, that's the break even point. Forty five feet from the hole, how far away in the fairway does a ten index player need to be uh, in the fairway? Where if they hit it to forty five feet, they gain zero point zero zero strokes on that approach shot. So ten index player. Well, they were 50-50 from 139 or something, weren't they? Of actually hitting the green. Yeah. So it's got to be, has it got to be less than that? So 100. Like where you're going? 100. And, I'll give them 125. 100 yards? 89 yards. Yeah. So no. if a 10 index player hits an approach shot to 45 feet from 89 yards, they just broke even on their approach play. If a 15 index player, hits an approach shot to 45 feet from 64 yards. They just broke even on strokes gained approach. You're actually that shot's almost get... close enough where it might be strokes gained around the green, right? So uh, 64 actually yards. one of the weakest areas for most of them too, 64 yeah. yards. Yeah. Yeah. For a five <laughs> index, it's 124 yards. So if a five index player from 124 yards in the fairway hits it to 45 feet, they just broke even on strokes gained approach, which is great. If you can do that, a huge chunk of the time, you're not going to do it all the time. You are going to be solid with your approach play. And I can't tell you how many low to mid single digit players, you know, will be 125 out and they'll hit it to 30 feet and, you know, they'll be snapping clubs over knees, throwing their clubs, smashing their clubs. Say, I can't believe I just did that. Um, and to well, me, it's passing that outlier again is the norm, isn't it? Yes. Because they've done it before. <laughs> It, uh, they've done it before they occasionally do it um but i think thinking that way doesn't help you i think it only yeah, it, it only hurts you i could be wrong on that but that's just uh, just my opinion i bet well, the I commentators it... drive you crazy lou like oh. commentator i bet that do must the commentators be... not drive everyone crazy <laughs> <laughs> oh he's got he's gonna he's got 120 you he, he won't be happy if it's not inside 10 feet <laughs> I'm like, wait i got a i got a good dm the other day <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> um, so every here's here's a DM that I got. I'm not gonna say who it was. Um, here we go. Every time I open Twitter, I expect to see something asinine from you. Is that how you want me to manage my expectations? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that DM. Uh, much appreciated. Um, I, some of them make me laugh. That's a that's a that was gave a good me a one. chuckle. Uh, go yeah. be a chuckle. It's quite uh, a good use of that hashtag, though. To be fair, <laughs> oh, I, I give that person credit. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, oh my! Passive oh. aggressive is always the best form of aggression. I think. Uh, there you go. <laughs>
<laughs> bad choices plenty are being made by many golfers but you can certainly limit them and hopefully that pod there gives you a few ideas on where to look if you're making any of these bad choices and hopefully you can learn to stop making them enjoy your golf a little bit more thanks as always guys thanks for listening everybody at home can't wait for the next podcast and we'll catch you there and have a good week